Hello, I'm David Mosscroft. Welcome to Open to Debate, brought to you by Interact. Lady A has been in the music industry for decades. In recent months, however, she has been in the national spotlight in the United States for reasons other than her music. After Lady Antebellum shortened their name to Lady A in the wake of the death of George Floyd to dissociate themselves from the Antebellum South and the racism bound up with that phrase, the band and Lady A entered into lawsuits over the use of the name. In December, she released the track, My Name Is All I Got. This episode is not about names, however, but about histories, experiences, power, and the question, how does institutionalized racism shape the music industry? My guest on this episode of Open to Debate is Lady A, a blues, soul, funk, and gospel musician who has released five solo albums, the latest of which is Lady A, live in New Orleans. Let's start with how the pandemic has affected your work. As a musical artist who tours, uh, for whom live performances are, are central to your work, I mean, how have you been managing uh, the last 10 months or so? You know, um, like everyone else, I, I, I believe I'm blessed to be learning a lot of things during this pandemic, like, you know, using Zoom, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, doing virtual recordings, um, you know, virtual concerts. Uh, we just did a, a pretty big major concert. I usually have, um, every year I do the Red and White Affair. And every year I do um, Lady A's, um, Ladies Luncheon every year. Those are two big affairs, you know, that draw hundreds of people. And I, at first I wasn't going to do them because I did, I couldn't figure out how I was going to make that happen. But, um, you know, thank goodness for virtual virtual concerts and, and Zoom um, and my band members, because, you know, I have sound engineer, um, Don Oliver III is my producer. You know, we're, we're still able to produce music um, by, you know, still being safe, um, having one person in the studio at a time and, and, and recording. So like everybody else, I think I'm just learning as I go. Uh, it's been a process. <laughs> It's not always easy for me. You know, I'm trying to stick. I'm still trying after 10 months to put a, a, a studio in my apartment so that I can um, do recordings. But I've been I've been busy, actually. I've been very busy, you know, and I'm thankful for that. God has blessed me in that, that I've been able to be busy, so busy that I can't finish putting the studio in my apartment. We- <laughs> but, yeah. We did the the same with the podcast. I mean, we have shifted the obviously the podcast remote, and I'm doing right. it from, from my apartment. You can, I mean, you, of course, you can't see it right now, but I, I'm sort of surrounded in my little corner of the room by books, which have become effectively baffling, acoustic baffling. <laughs> Finally, they're useful. You know, they're right, <laughs> they're right. You know, my, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my giant stacks of books are finally serving a purpose, other than serving a purpose to be read <laughs> at a at a future date. I, I. So what are yeah, you stacking things on top of them? <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Uh, sometimes they're coasters, and, and now they're acoustic baffling. But it works. I mean, it's been working. Yeah, it's it's working. Um, you know, this pandemic is. It's it, it, you could look at it as a curse or or a blessing in disguise. Um, I try to look at it as a blessing in disguise. Um, I'm learning to work differently. Um, 
getting closer to people, you know, uh, my band and I, we've always been close anyway, but we're even closer now because we're, we're leaning on one another, we're helping one another. Um, you know, like I said, learning to work differently in this, I, I you know, I have two radio stations that I host DJ, um, KMRE, you know, FM in Bellingham. And then I've got uh, NWCZ ra- online radio. And so I'm recording from home. I'm actually, you know, recording these shows from home. Um, and it, it's a learning experience, but I think that it's a blessing um, as well. So you have to look at it that way. Otherwise, you know, we could drive, drive ourselves mad, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, being stuck <laughs> inside and, and trying to think of what you're going to do next. So keep busy. Tell me about it. And I think, uh, well, well, let's, let's talk about, let, let's use that as an opportunity to dig into a little bit about changes to the industry. I want to, I want to focus on race in the industry in, in a, in a minute, but I want to get there by way of, of activism in the industry. I mean, you okay. and your work have been inspired by activist causes. You have, you are yourself an activist. I'm curious what the relationship between your art and activism has been through the decades that you've been in the industry? Well, my, my activism comes out of my experiences and the experiences of others. So um, I use, you know, I'm blessed to be able to use my platform as an artist. Um, I have what's called Lady A's Back Porch, uh, Back Porch Blues, which is, you know, I, I'm blessed to be able to try, you know, when we were open, travel all over and, you know, have hundreds and thousands of people that I perform in front of. But when I come home, I like to perform for a more intimate audience where I can sit down, sing, talk about the lyrics of a song, the reasoning behind certain songs that I've written, um, such as my new, you know, the new single, um, My Name Is All I Got. That comes out of activism. Um, That comes out of an experience that I'm going through right now. Um, Change the World is another song. on my Doing Fine CD. That came, I wrote that song when Trayvon Martin was killed, but I was so livid and so upset that I didn't release it until, you know, three years later. And um, I I try to educate as well as, music can do all kinds of things. It can make you feel good. It can make you feel low. You know, the, the blues has its highs and lows. You can have the blues and still be in a good mood as far as I'm concerned. But when activism plays a part in the music, that's why I'm a lyrical person. I love to listen to the lyrics, what what people write. And I hope that that's what people are doing when they listen to my music. Um, I'm not the typical blues singer. I'm a person who is trying to put a message out there as well, try to inspire somebody, encourage somebody, as well as talk about the truths of what is happening in our society. I hope that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I certainly, I, I certainly think so, and and I think, I mean, th- th- there's, there's, I guess, there's two different lanes. There's a sort of lane that leads uh, into the industry, but one that leads out of it too. And I wonder to to what extent the industry itself is emblematic of the sort of external uh, causes, challenges, problems, and I'm thinking specifically of racism in this case. I mean. Uh, Well, we we all know that we, and 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 I want to preface this by saying that all people are not racist. All white people aren't racist. 
all black people are racist, all brown people are racist. Um, but the racists know who they are. So let's not tiptoe around that. Right. Um, you know, and let's not tiptoe around them when we are specifically talking about them. Um, because that's what's wrong with the country. We've tiptoed so much that, um, you know, we, the United States ended up with a president the way we ended up, you know, and then we have people storming the Capitol. Who would have ever thought that that would have happened in our lifetime? But that is not, that is not definitive of all people. That is definitive of the very people that we've been fighting against. You know, when, when um, Colin Kaepernick took a knee in peace, peaceful protest, and look where we are now. So he took a knee and nobody liked it. We marched in silence and nobody liked it. You know, um, we're murdered in the streets as Black people. And nobody really says anything about it. We've raised our voices, you know, as much as possible. But what does it take? It takes white supremacists and, and you know, these people that storm the, storm the Capitol here in the United States. And to what end? You know, we see what's going on and it, now it's in our face. I have a song called The Truth is Loud. I wrote the song before COVID, myself and, and Roz McCommon, Royster McCommon. We wrote the song before COVID came, but we didn't release it until after. And it was actually supposed to be a song that um, it talked about um, Eric Garner and Michael Brown. and It was all of it. The truth is loud, but who's listening? Who's really listening? So our voices really didn't mean anything until, uh, you know, until some of these white people went and stormed the Capitol. Now everybody's up in an uproar and everybody believes that racism is real. Well, not everybody, but, you know, now you're actually talking about it when the truth has been loud all of, you know, all the time. It's time for a change in the country where we come together, um, all our allies, Black people, indigenous people of this land, the very people who were here first, um, and people of color, and along with our allies to come together, stand up, speak up, and never give up. That's one of my mottos. And um, it's time for us to come together and speak loudly. I, I remember when, you know, 2015, 2016, the euphemism was economic anxiety quote unquote right remember <laughs> that was how it was explained it was no you know you just don't understand it's economic anxiety right. I, uh, we, we now see what an utter sham that that was i i'm curious how the, the, how racism is manifest in the music industry i mean you, you've been in the industry for decades as a solo right. artist as a as a as part of a of a band playing with for other people uh, how, have, how have you seen racism manifest in the industry in your years uh, in it? Well, you know, it, I try to get around it for me. I have a diverse audience. So, you know, my audience is not just black. I have a, a very diverse audience, no matter where I play. Now, have, have I seen racist, um, you know, things happen? Yeah, up front, you know, up close and personal. You know, I've been told I couldn't stay at a hotel in, you know, in the, in the, in the two, you know, in the 2000s. Why is that still happening in 2020? Why is that still happening? Um, so I've seen it happen. But we've always known that it was there. 
as black people, we know how to survive. Um, what we need is our allies to step up and speak up. We've, you know, I'm 62 years old. This has been happening 60 of my years. Um, I just uh, had an interview with um, one of my, my living legends uh, in the industry, Bobby Rush, and he's 87. He's been seeing racism all this time. It plays out as not only as me being a black woman or a band leader, it plays out um, when I go and try to do a festival. Hmm. Um, I can get paid less than my white counterpart. Or I won't be put on a main stage. I've got to work my way up where somebody who is white, you know, will come in and they're not even really playing blues. It's an appropriation of our music, of um, our artistry. You know, I've said this before, you know, our language and our culture that gets appropriated. That's a form of, of racism, but it's a behavior. It, it's a behavior that keeps being um that's been it out, you know, that behavior. It's a learned behavior. Children don't come out being racist. They're taught to be racist. They're, they hear, children mimic what they hear and they see. So we need to change the behavior as people, as human beings. You know, we can change all of that. And in the music industry, the same needs to apply. In the music industry, they, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. They know who they want to to have on stage and who they don't. They have the appropriate number of black people on stage that they need. Um, or we are used in this context of, of having these white audiences come in and listen to us, but we're not paid what we're worth. And then people want to, they want to question our worth. You know, that, that, that plays into it a lot. But like, but like I said, I, tend to get around that because I'm only going to do what I want to do. Um, I'm, I've played the game, <laughs> you know, of life. But as you get older, you, you get to pick and choose. You know, my audience is real. My audience is, I love them. They know who I am. And, and I don't try to be anything that I'm not. I'm going to be who God made me. Yep. And David and Lady A, if I could, if I could jump in here, if you don't mind, I want to add to what Lady A is saying. Please, that it. Let's listen. In the music industry, this is, uh, you know, I'm in my late forties, but I've noticed all my life that take, for example, an artist like Justin Timberlake and Usher. For a while, Usher and Justin Timberlake were doing the same exact style of music, but because Usher was a Black American, he was in the R and B category. Justin Timberlake, meanwhile, doing the same exact music, was in the pop category. Now, what that means for record sales and overall exposure is Justin Timberlake was able to get to the number one on the pop charts, whereas Usher would just be held down to the top of the R&B charts. That impacts record sales. That impacts exposure. And so we, you know, as Black Americans, we've been seeing this our whole life, even when MTV came out. It took a while for them to get Black Americans or Black artists in the rotation as far as videos. Uh, Michael Jackson was one of the biggest ones because he'd come out with these world premieres and we were happy to see that. But we wanted to see more uh, diversity in the music industry. You know, uh, similar to like, like what Lady A said, I mean, 
they try to box us into a certain style, you know, whereas, you know, she's a blues artist. Well, she's an artist. She's a musician. Right. And so like when you asked about her, you know, um, you know, social activism, that plays a part because so many places that we traveled. Right. We we might be able to get on a certain stage and perform, but we can't stay in certain parts of the hotel. So, for example, up here in Washington, um, they had the city zoned off to where black people couldn't live in certain neighborhoods. So we could very well be great artists and have people buying our music, but we can't stay in their neighborhoods. Right. So social activism plays a part in that because we're making music. People are clapping. But when we go home, we go to different homes. We have different, you know, people that we interact with. I want to dig into this. And that, and that was John Oliver, the, the third uh, Lady A's producer who's on with us and who I would, I mean, I would like to invite to keep taking part in this conversation because that's such an important point. I mean, I, I want to dig into this category question a little bit more. And one example of that is, quote unquote, urban, the use of urban as a moniker. Right. Uh, what does that mean? And, and is, does it still have a place I'm curious what you what both of you think about this in the industry in 2020. I mean, what's what's something like urban <laughs> meant to catch or R&D for that matter? I mean, is is it doing more harm than good to have these categories? Uh, you know, lady, well lady AD, if you want to address that first cuz I definitely have an answer. No, uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, so okay. I'll, I'll take you back. There are times uh, so, you know you may not want to hear from me. <laughs> right. So, you know, I I'll say this, the short answer does urban hurt us in, in, you know, 2020 and beyond in some ways it's still putting us in a box because it's like, well, how can we categorize these, these folks music? We'll put urban. Well, the difference is, is now geographically speaking, uh, you know, especially in Seattle and some of the surrounding areas, the black people have been pushed out of what was considered urban. And so now we're moved out further South. So, uh, geographically speaking, where is urban at? Well, urban still just kind of defines, I think, our sound, which to me is still putting a box and a label on it. And it's still putting the separation, right, between what, like what I said before, uh, Justin Timberlake and Usher doing the same exact music, but one is in one category, one is in another. You know, I almost wish we could just get back to just music being music, right? Right. I mean, when you went to the record store, you know, where's the urban section? I have no idea what's in the urban section. Is it a place where there's a light on in the store or is it dark? Because when you say urban, it sounds it could be dark. Right. It could make people's perception on whether or not they want to buy something that's urban because it might sound like it's something that, oh, we shouldn't have or it's underground or, you know, labels. Sometimes labels are effective now. Don't get me wrong. It could be very well effective, but. In the overall, like record sales and advertisement, does it help or does it hurt? I'm not sure, but I personally do not like the urban label. And I'll tell you why because in the 80s, there was a local radio station here. They played gospel music, but they did not play black gospel music. They had a show on Sunday nights where they would play urban gospel music. That was strictly an entire black, uh, you know, artist for them to have their music played. It was all black. It was just for one hour on Sunday night. That was their urban. And it was horrible. That's all we got. One hour on Sunday. Right. Seven days. In an industry one hour on Sunday. In, in which uh, presumably you made up at least 50% of the performers, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Is it, it's like these, all these categories that they try to put blues music into, 
Yeah. Like now you have American roots. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what is that? Um, I understand blues. I understand soul. Um, I understand gospel. And that's where most of this music comes from, which is gospel. So, um, you know, like John said, sometimes we get boxed in. They try to box you in as to, and, and it, what's funny is they try to box black people into their category. Uh, like you said, so um, you can have the same, I could be performing the same music that a white female artist is performing and the white female artist will be chosen. Why is that? Right. That's the question. The question is, why is that? Um, it's, and, and for me, it's, you don't want to give up control, which is, you know, going back to, you know, rioters storming the Capitol. These are white supremacists. And again, I'm not talking about all white people. I'm talking about some white people that have stormed the Capitol because they don't want to give up control. They don't want to give up power and privilege that they have always had in America. Always had in America. And now it's time for us all to change because a change is coming. Black and brown bodies will be, you know, we, we need to be in a part of the conversation instead of an afterthought. And, and who gets to move between these categories? You know, when, when, you, were, when you were talking about the subgenres, I was thinking about Bill Clinton in the 1990s being called the first black president or <laughs> and someone called him the first black president. And I was thinking back, it wasn't that long ago thinking like who has the privilege to be able to be move between categories and who doesn't, you know, I, it, and it, it's stunning to me that it, that, that pervades that, you know, some, I mean, white bodies have that privilege in ways that black bodies don't. Right. So very true. So very true. I, I hate to keep using his name as an example, but Justin Timberlake is a very good example of that. He's literally moved from, you know, because he had a few records that produced by, you know, like Timbaland, uh, you know, uh, Pharrell uh, produced a bunch of his songs. So in the black community, you know, people really loved his music. But uh, when I heard them, I said, oh, well, that's a great song. But he's going to get the record sales of both the folks who love R&B and the pop section. They will accept it. Now, the difference is, is when, say, an artist like Usher again, who does the very same thing, how can he go in and cross over to the pop section? I never knew why. Somebody like Michael Jackson actually did it, but look what it cost him. Look, right. look at the cost of it all. I mean, literally, his skin literally change colors. I mean, they said it was a medical condition, but it's very few black artists that really cross over to where their audience is everybody or pop or popular as they say. Right. And so I feel like you, who, who is the person who holds the reins to who gets to cross over and who doesn't? Some like Lady A just said, how did, how is she able to cross over into just a blues category and not be urban blues? Right. Or, right. Or an example is, um, John, you know, um, John, you know, he's my producer. He's my play brother. He's uh, my best friend. Um, he's an amazing drummer and an amazing vocalist. He, I mean, this is a prime example. Two bands, and um, I'm just going to say the Red Hots, <laughs> and and myself, and when it was Lady A and the Big Blues Funk Band, two bands doing doing not the same music, but in the blues genre. John went to play for them. I've been in the business for all this year, all this time, and I will toot my own horn. My music is good. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to downplay what I do. 
So John goes and plays for the Red Hots. We both have been in the industry for all this time. And the Red Hots get recognized for a Washington Blues Music Award. But we'd both been doing the same music. You know what the difference was? And, and it took a white woman to tell me. She said, I never liked their music before. And I said, really? And she said, no, I never liked their music before. And then we're at the same concert. John is playing for them, playing the drums, giving them the feel, giving them what we were already doing. And they won an award. They would not have won that award if John had not been playing for them. Because they had already been playing and they never won the award. We won two awards. So rather than give the award <laughs> to an all-black band, which I had an all-black band, and had been playing this music and have a diverse audience and have people, you know, buying CDs, and this same white band comes and my drummer goes and plays for you, and now you win an award. Two awards. Who, two, awards. Two, two, two awards. Okay, two awards. yeah. Keep rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> it won two awards, and I did not win that one award. All these years. You know, all those years. And it, it's like you said, David, it's, so who's holding the reins? Well, we know who's holding the reins. The white vote is holding the reins. And again, not all white people, just some. But those some make up in some places in the music industry, the majority of who decides who wins a Grammy, who wins a, a blues music award, who wins, you know, in blues societies, you know, across the country, because it's all the same. We've talked to these people, at least I have, in my activism. I've talked to these folks and tried to figure out, why do you have these blue societies and there are no Black people on the boards, you know, type of thing. So that's, that's a good question. So who's holding the reins? We know who's holding the reins. Has anything changed or started to change since the rise of, of Black Lives Matter, uh, the, the death of George Floyd, so the movements like Blackout Tuesday, the show must be uh, paused campaigns. I mean, ha has, have you seen structural shifts? Um, I see people trying. I'm going to say that. I see people trying. But those are the same people that have been trying. And when I say people, I mean allies. You know, our, our allies, they really are trying. I think that now since, again, here in America, the storming of the Capitol has really infuriated some white people who are allies. Um, I was, um, I, I, I'm on vacation this week, but one of my coworkers, um, at my day job, I, I belong to the change team, which is for racial change and for um, societal change within our organization. And one of the, my coworkers called me and said, oh my gosh, you need to get on. This was the, the day after the Capitol storming. And she called and she said, you need to get on the Zoom call right now. The change team, these, she says, you know, the white people are just losing it. And what she meant by that was they were crying, they were upset. And these are our allies. These are people that I work with that are, you know, trying to affect change. And they're crying and they're upset because it's, it's almost as if they just now saw that, oh, there really is racism in the world. Well, me, I don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> the truth you know, is and it, and it, you know, I'll say this. In addition to that, I honestly, I agree with what Lady A said. And just to piggyback, yeah, I mean, there has been some change. However, has the change went from the bottom to the top? Because if you look at the award shows during uh, the pandemic, they've still been mostly white artists. 
We need to see more diversity come into uh, the the uh, the music award shows. There needs to be more diversity, just point blank. Uh, and it's it's appalling that even after George Floyd and the Black Lives Matters and the social unrest and the racial unrest, there still is not enough diversity at the award shows, right? I mean, it's still, as always, the artists who are in pop music are still the ones that have the most advertising. And think about advertising, right? Advertising hasn't really changed that much. The commercials that we see, they're not diverse enough. We don't see enough diversity. Right. Because when they see us, like when Lady A comes, you can feel people looking, oh, she's a black woman. Of course, she's a black woman and she sounds amazing and she looks amazing. But it seems as people of color, we always have to explain ourselves or people have to find some way to accept us by kind of buffering us down, you know, putting us in boxes. Oh, they're an urban artists. No, I'm an artist. So it, some things have changed, but. You know, it's like that saying, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Exactly. And on the award show point, it isn't as if in many cases these awards are you come out of the platonic sense of who is the best choice. I mean, there are campaigns for them. There's politics behind them. There's, there's exactly. financial considerations. Behind them. I mean, I know the Academy Awards has this problem, too. I mean, arts, culture in general has this problem. I mean, it is a, it's highly political and it's a business, right? It, it is, but, you know, and, and so when do we get back to the music? Yeah. When do we get back to, you know, um, to making it fair? Sometimes, it, it, you know, like they say, life isn't always fair, but when do we do the right thing by people? Um, like you said, you, I, I'm an independent artist. So when, and to, to John's point, when they have all these different, um, the, the Grammys and the Blues Music Awards and all that, the reason why there's a Blues Music Awards category and a Blues Music Awards is held in May rather than when they do the Grammys in January. And I had to find this out because I never understood. Well, where's the Blues category during the um, Grammys? Where's that? Well, they don't show it. Well, why not? Uh, there's not enough time. Well, no, what you mean is there's not enough money. But that's not true. When I go to the Blues Music Awards in Memphis in May, there are thousands of people there, but and and the majority of them are black. Mm -hmm. You know, the majority of them. Black. So here we are. We have to have this separate category here, and not just black people. Win the Latin Music Awards. I love Latin music. So you've got the Latin Music Awards. You know, you've got the Country Music Awards, but that's another extension. Uh, of Grammy music and everything is political and about money. It's about who has the most money. Well, being an indie artist, we don't have that kind of money. We don't have that luxury. And there are white indie artists, just like there are black indie artists, but there are native American indie artists, you know, when is it just about the music and not so much about the money? You know, we're all trying to, to make it the best way that we can um, so when do we join forces, actually? Has, has tech changed anything? I mean, has streaming opened doors, closed doors, made things more difficult, uh, easier? I'm learning to do it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's for me. 
I would say streaming uh, as for independent artists has given us more exposure because yeah. we're able to be exposed to, uh, you know, uh, listeners that we wouldn't normally. For example, uh, Lady A uh, has listeners all over the world. You can look up in Spotify and see she might have listeners in New Zealand and Australia and these places which she hasn't toured in yet. Right. Because mostly uh, an, an artist would put an album out and then they'd have to go on tour in order to promote it. Well, thank God for streaming services. You know, we're able to reach an audience that we wouldn't normally be able to do. Right. So streaming has been good. However, I think there is a dark downside to it. You know, tons of people stream your music. But how does that generate to money coming in? I, and I'll tell you, the reason why that bothers me is because, uh, you know, as independent artists, you know, we rely on touring. So the pandemic shut all of that down. Right. But through streaming, Lady A has been getting tons of uh, listeners and she can still get her music out. But when you look at artists who are on the bigger platform, you know, their news is different than Lady A's news. Their news says, oh, this person is selling their two point three million dollar home. Really? That's a huge difference. I mean, it would be nice if Lady A was in the news like that. Lady A during the pandemic. Oh, it's been hard, but she's selling her two point three million dollar home. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be a whole different story, right? So, well, yeah. The and the thing about it is, even with streaming and getting the listeners, and I appreciate every listener that listens to me. Um, I don't know how you're doing it because when even when I go search for myself on Spotify, I can't find me. Um, it's so there are downsides. And again, that goes back to um, money and how that regulates to indie for indie artists, because these big artists don't care about independent artists. They don't right. care how they affect an independent artist. Right. And I'll say this. Let me say this, because I'm kind of a little bit on the outside looking in. When one artist says they're going to take the name of another artist who's already been using the name. What happens is, is even AI gets confused. Yeah. Example, my name is John Oliver, but there's already a famous comedian out there named John Oliver. He is not as good looking as I am, <laughs> right? But we have the same name. He's my brother from another mother. So when I go to put out my product, guess what name? Even though it's my birth name, I am not going to use John Oliver, even though that's my birth name. Why? Because there's somebody already out there using it. And as soon as I typed it in Google, guess whose picture comes up? The John Oliver, who's not as good looking, but is very much more funnier and much more richer. So guess what I decided? I'm going to go under a different artist name because he's already using that. You see how that works? I mean, it'd be very simple. Or say I do pick a name as my artist name and I start using it and I start putting out records, but then another artist comes to me and he says, Oh, guess what? I've kind of already been using it. Well, what do I have to do? Apologize and say, you know what? My bad, my bad, my fault. I'm going to change my name again. It's very easy, especially for an artist who has considerable amounts of money to do it. If you are able to sell a home that is over $2.3 billion, you are very much able to rebrand yourself and give the other artists back their name. Not give me back. I still have my name. <laughs> but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> uh, I'm not, that fight isn't over yet. That fight is ongoing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, with everything that's going on with the pandemic and everything. Right now, we're just, at, just waiting to see um, where we will actually, where the trial will actually be, whether we'll be in 
in Tennessee or in Seattle. That's all we're waiting for. And that could be until, you know, that could be until, you know, April, May. You know, we don't know when that's going to happen. But in the meantime, you know, since I'm not, tra- you know, touring, whereas, you know, like John said, that's where artists like myself, independent artists, that's where we sell our music, our merchandise, when we're traveling, when we're on tour. And David, I'll say this. Uh, there was one of your questions you asked, I think, Lady A earlier. How's this whole pandemic kind of uh affected us the the takeaway is this whoever has control of the mic is able to either let things through or stop them up Mm -hmm. which is what happens in the music industry right they're like well we have these artists there's there's artists of color and then there's the artists who are popular who are white um let's let their mic pass through but let's mute the other people's mics right that's a prime example of how it happens it's just that easy Right. Right. Like, and Lady it, you know, sometimes it's blatant. Um, right. Like for the Grammys, my my CD was up for Grammy consideration. And since the other people were, you know, up for Grammys consideration also and had never been under my name, which is Lady A, I was listed as Lady A2. Why am I listed as Lady A2? Yeah. When it's a name you've been using for. Yeah. When it, yeah. Or... And I've been up for Grammy consideration before. As Lady A, I was never listed as Lady A too. So it's about the money. Well, that's not, you know, again, can we just do the right thing? You know that that's not right. That's not the right thing to do. Um, But they did it anyway. In order sometimes, and and this is just sometimes I'm going to say in instances, instead of complaining about things, I actually try, you know, try to do something about it if it's at all possible. So now I am going to be on the Grammy, one of the Grammy membership boards um, for the for the black. I forget what it's called. I just got my membership thing today, but it's um, being a part of the black Grammy BMC, something like that. Black black membership, something for the Grammys. But so I'm going to be a part of it so I can be a part of the solution is what I'm trying to say. Um, I wish I knew the correct acronym and I don't, but um, so that I can be a part of the solution so that I can bring my ideas because Don will tell you, I'm very forthright. I'm not afraid to say anything. That's true. If it's true, I'm probably going to say it, (laughs) you know, even if it hurts your feelings, (laughs) because it's time out for tiptoeing around people Mm -hmm. whose behavior um, exemplifies what we are trying to get away from. You know, um, like I said, this this whole thing with um, with the the rioting, uh, and the riot and terrorism, and the storming of the Capitol—that's a slap in the face. <laughs> you know, to to white America, they really feel like they've been slapped in the face. I've had a few of my um, white ally friends tell me that, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. But you guys get over that. You know, now it's time for us all to step up and come together and and really talk about what is going on and make a, a, a concerted effort to make that change. And that change should not take hundreds of years. Right. And, you and you know, David and Lady A, what I was thinking of, the pandemic has also given uh, a little bit more power to independent artists. We're able to be creative. We've been finding very creative ways to get my music out to a more diverse audience. 
right? So the pandemic in some ways has helped us to, allowed us to be artists, just be creative. Remember how in class they had arts and crafts? It's given us, the pandemic has given us time that we didn't normally have to, you know, be creative with getting our music out and getting it to, uh, you know, just getting it out there. Getting it out there. But again, if you don't know the names of my songs, you will not see my name. Right. So erasure is real. So I don't want anybody to get confused. If you go looking for Lady A, you're not going to see my face. Well, I, I want to, in the last few minutes we have, I want to imagine what it would look like to have a more just, equitable, diverse music industry. I mean, what would that look like in practice? Presumably, you know, a better sharing of space, resources, so on and so forth. I mean, but from, from the perspective of an artist, what does that look like to you? Well, to me, you know, being an independent artist and just being the person that I am. So I can't speak for everybody, but, but for me, it is about reaching back. Once you've reached a, a certain plateau or where, where you've reached where you're successful, to me, I'm successful. I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to retire from a day job, be a full-time musician. You know, all that was in the works before COVID happened, but I already had a plan about what I was going to do. Um, active, I'm still going to be an activist, still working on that to educate and to, to inspire and encourage people through music. Those are things that I want to do. I want to help young artists, you know, whether it's in blues or gospel or soul. I want to be able to bring young artists together. That's why I work with the Rhapsody Music Project, my students, and make sure that they understand the business side and understand about um, how to make connections. That's what I think the music industry should be about, about helping others. I mean, when you get so far, then what are you doing? Are you just making the music for yourself? Or are you just making music to make money? You know, and maybe because I don't have millions of dollars, I, you know, I think a different way. But I think that even if I had that money, I would still be the same because I don't change in that. It's about reaching back and helping somebody else. We should all be reaching back and pulling somebody else up because it took somebody to get us there. We're not here for ourselves. Um, and, but that's my, that's how I think about life. That is my, my calling in life, I believe, is to serve others and help others as much as I can, um, no matter what I'm doing. In the music industry, that would be great. Think of how many people out there that are artists that never get seen, that we, you know, and not just music artists, just art, just art, period. You know, there are artists out there, um, you know, painting artists and, and, and photography art, and there's all types of art. But in those genres of those different genres, people can reach back and help somebody else when they get where they think they want to be, or even while you're in the process. Um, I do that today. So that's what I would like to see the music industry be. But you can't be about yourself. <laughs> you got to be about others. Well, that I think that's a perfect uh, point on, on which to end our conversation. So first of all, my thanks uh, to you, Lady A, for joining me today. I very much appreciate it. Thank you for having me, for having us, David. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And of course, to John Oliver the third, the more handsome of the John Olivers, <laughs> if not the funniest of the John Olivers. Thank you for, for joining as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having uh, me. He got jokes, too. <laughs> 
And as always, uh, to Mira Ahmad and to Aaron Reynolds, who make this podcast possible, and to each and every one of you listening from wherever you may be listening, check out Lady A on Spotify uh, or through her website or through the news. There's lots of news right now as well. I strongly encourage you to have a look, and we'll catch you back here in a couple of weeks. Thank you.